You are listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So a week from tomorrow, I will be boarding a plane to begin a two-week pilgrimage in the Holy Land. Yeah. I'll be going with a group of other pastors from the Denver area who I just adore. Uh, we're, We're part of a cohort called the Ministry Collaborative, and it's like a secret club, and we meet every month for three hours, and this has been wonderful. But now... We are going to be uh, going from spending three hours a month to spending every waking and sleeping hour together. Uh, I was informed last week that I will have a roommate, Uh, and I know him. Bill's a great guy, but uh, I have my reasons to believe that uh, he snores much louder than I do. Which is why I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that when, that when you all ask me if I'm excited to be going on an all-expense-paid trip to a beautiful country on the Mediterranean, there's a part of me, a very big part of me that, at least right now, in this moment, deep down, hasn't gotten to the excitement part. Because, y'all, that's a lot of quality time with other people, <laughs> And I don't always like other people. (laughs) They walk too slow, and they talk too much, and they take way too many group pictures. They just get in the way. And I really like my personal space. I don't like letting other people into the most intimate parts of my life, like my snoring, or that I talk a lot in my sleep, or or maybe the fact that I'm honestly just not somebody who wakes up happy in the morning. Instead, I wake up most days wondering how in the world I'm going to get through the next 24 hours. And then I proceed to put on what feels like a suit of medieval armor to protect me from the slings and arrows of the world and my own brain throw at me. But here, here lately I've been wondering if this inner armor that I dutifully put on every day is doing me more harm than good. I'm wondering, if it's, I'm wondering if it's a relic of a bygone era in my life when I was afraid of what people would think of when they found out who I really am. Because there was a time in my life when I, when I had to sincerely worry about what would happen when I came out as gay or told people that I had an addiction or was honest about my struggles with depression. But here's the thing, the reality is that now, right now, I am actually surrounded by people who know all these things and shower me with grace and love nonetheless. And yet, despite this change in reality, despite the fact that my reality has really changed from the time I was a frightened little boy, I still wear what feels like the same suit of armor to protect me from other people. And the problem with that is that my inner chainmail cordons off my heart and keeps the people I actually need from getting into those cracks and crevices where my heart needs the healing the most. I need you, but I'm still really afraid of you. 
Which got me to thinking that the disciples that Jesus called that day, they had to have been so, so desperate for them to leave behind the safety and security of their jobs as fishermen to go, as Jesus says, and go fish for people. Like, really, Jesus? <laughs> you want us to go fish for other people? I mean, if it were me, I'd rather stick with the smelly fish over the smelly people. Like, seriously, how, how soul-crushing crushing did the patterns of the disciples' lives had to have been? How much inner armor did the disciples have to put on in order to suit up and show up in their lives? That the idea of cultivating actual human relationships was the best news they had ever heard. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because these poor, dirty fishermen, they were the backbone of their local economy. Not only did they depend on their own wages for their own bread, but so did their families and all the other families in their villages who were all intricately connected to the fishing business. So in order for them to abandon the safety net of an entire community and then go open their hearts to other people, in order for that to happen, I just can't believe that their lives looked all that hot. Of course, there's no way of knowing what it was that was precisely weighing them down. Perhaps it was the fact that they worked long, hard hours in the sun only to have to then surrender all the fish that they caught to the Roman Empire which then shipped their catch off to the palaces of Herod and the 1% for their lavish lifestyles. That's because the Roman, the Roman Empire's economy was largely what is called an extraction economy, meaning they made their money by going to poorer countries like Galilee, taking their resources, and then charging them sky-high taxes just in order to sell the very things that were theirs in the first place. So perhaps it was the taxes that were weighing them down and, and how that power from a distance robbed them of their dignity. Much like the farm workers still today across Colorado whose, whose dignity is still being robbed because they are not afforded rest breaks or overtime or sick leave, privileges which many of us enjoy. But I also wonder if perhaps the disciples were were weighed down by the same inner armor that I carry around inside of me. That inner safety net that maybe was woven together for a good reason, but that had long outlasted its original purpose. Like, I wonder if the disciples had spent their lives afraid of other people, just like I have. So afraid that their fear was no longer protection against the enemy, but rather this fortress that kept friends out, friends they actually needed. And so perhaps the disciples dropped their nets that day because they craved friendship over fear, faith over fear, love over fear, anything but fear. Because it's fear that ultimately prevents us from reaping the benefits of what uh, Richard Rohr says are God's two main directions for our lives, which are differentiation and communion. Differentiation meaning becoming who God made us to be, and communion meaning becoming who God made us to be alongside everybody else. Differentiation 
and communion. And so in, in order for the disciples to have left the boat and everything that they ever knew to follow Jesus, they, they must have heard something that changed everything. They must have heard something that unlocked their inner armor and countered their fear of empire and financial security, their, their fear of themselves and of other people. Deep down, they must have known that they needed friendship over fear. And in particular, the kind of friendship that only grows around Jesus, the, the kind of friendship that only grows when we lay down our armor and our hearts get broken open and demons are cast out and the dead are raised. But, but this process of like bearing our hearts to each other is, it, it's hard and it's dangerous. Uh, before, before I met my partner, Brian, for, for a long time, I was with this with this other really good guy named David. And uh, I remember the first time David shared with me that he had this, this spiritual discipline of making himself get out every day and be in a place where he was bound to meet strangers. Because he said, strangers surprise you. They, they ask weird questions and they say offensive things and they stare at your clothes they make you ask all the questions about yourself and the world that the people you already know are way less likely to do. At the time, this uh, spiritual practice of his uh, terrified me. Uh, until one day, and, and, and it hit me, hey David, you know this uh, always changing coffee shops, always making yourself interact with new people thing? Uh, that, that, that feels like something Jesus would do. And even though he never called himself a Christian, he turned to me and he was like, yeah, isn't like opening yourself up to the danger of other people like deeply Christian? I mean, I, I had to agree. Because the ministry of Jesus, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, casting out demons all the way down to the cross and resurrection, it's, it's all about the good news that when we are at our weakest, when we are stripped down naked in front of each other, it is there in that place of desperate honesty that we can truly begin to live. I mean, our life begins here. Here at the foot of the cross, here where we, we lay down our security blankets and our safety nets and our inner armor and finally tell the truth about ourselves and then, and then watch as the grace of Christ floods in. Which is the best news for me because even though God is slowly but surely breaking down my inner armor, I'm still afraid of other people. I'm still afraid of really opening up and, and the only thing that gives me the courage to keep putting myself out there is that I don't have to do this alone. Because Christ has promised us that where two or more are gathered, he is here in our midst giving us the strength to keep opening our hearts. And, that, and that's to both the people we love and the people who still scare us. Because, I mean, like, let's face it. The bad news is that Jesus has this really bad habit of throwing those people we're still afraid of all up in our faces. I mean, 
those poor disciples, they, they had to have been disappointed when Jesus said, I will make you fish for people. And then those people turned out to be all the worst ones. <laughs> the leper whose nose had fallen off, that, that dude foaming at the mouth saying he was full of demons. And then there were the tax collectors and the sex workers. And then came all those snotty pastors and then King Herod and then even Caesar himself. I mean, I wonder if the disciples were all like waiting for Jesus to take them to the social media influencers and the NFL players and the Silicon Valley tycoons. And so then when they see the people Jesus actually brought them to, they're like, damn, Jesus, like you brought us to these people? But whoever it was that they wished that they were meeting... I have to also believe that it was the ones that they actually met who were the ones broken enough, dirty enough, impure enough to pour the cool water of grace onto their wounded hearts. Just like the people I actually need are the ones that Jesus is actually putting in my path rather than the people I I think I need. Which is why um, it has to be a really mean, Jesus-y thing that I recently found out that my cohort that's going to Israel will not be traveling alone, but uh, also together with a group from rural North Carolina, all of whom are from super conservative, fundamentalist, holiness, Pentecostal, and Baptist churches. (laughs) Because as it turns out, uh, that's who I actually need to break open my heart. Am I afraid? Hell yeah. (laughs) But I won't be doing it alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org and click on Give.